Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Red Rabbit Insurance. As a real estate investor, I love working with companies and people who truly understand investing. If you're a real estate investor, I highly suggest talking to Ryan at Red Rabbit Insurance. Red Rabbit specializes in working with investors of all sizes, both for their personal residence, auto, and investment properties. Red Rabbit recently saved one of our investors $5,000 a year by switching to the exact same coverage. That's a down payment on a new rental. I personally saved 15% by switching to Red Rabbit, which is pretty significant. And Red Rabbit Insurance makes it super easy to get a quote. All you need is the address, your full name, and your date of birth. No annoying questionnaires to fill out and Red Rabbit gets you a quote in less than a day. Email ryan at redrabbitinsurance.com or go to the website redrabbitinsurance.com or call 1-800-560-3015. That's redrabbitinsurance.com. Call today to save some money and get better insurance rates for your investments. All right, guys, got another edition of the Real Estate Hackers podcast. Uh, I'm Chad Gallagher and I am super pumped to have my guest here, Dixie Decker. Uh, Dixie, thanks so much for joining. Hey, thank you for having me. Cool. So uh, Dixie and I were in a uh, small conference together, and I was just uh, super impressed by some of the tactics she's using to handle uh, basically student housing. Um, so Dixie, I guess maybe as a starting point, maybe give our, our listeners a little background of what you do in the student housing space. Okay, so uh, let's see, how, how should we start that? So student housing is usually a term people think is these big, huge buildings that resemble apartments and dorms and that kind of thing. But what I did was just started off with single family residential houses. And if it's a three bedroom house or a four bedroom house, um, we have kids, college kids that group up together. They find their own people and they rent the whole house from us, but we price it to them by the room. So right now uh, we're averaging 525 a room. And uh, what happens is I write one lease on the house. They all sign the lease for the full amount of the rent, making them jointly responsible. Yep. And then we have their parents co-sign on that. So what's, what in turn has happened is I do a 12 month lease um, basically I'm a landlord, but I don't have the hassles that landlords have. Um, I don't have evictions. I don't have vacancies. I don't have to chase rent. 
And I basically make the parents responsible for anything that these kids might mess up. But I deliver high quality, nice housing. We're not slumlords. And so it's it's kind of um, one of the least risky ways to be in real estate passively and growing your net worth. Now, you, you, you tell a beautiful story there. And I can tell you, <laughs> I, I, I have rented to college students before. And I know yeah. a lot of folks who have rented to college students before. And they do not tell such eloquent uh, joyride stories. Uh, yeah. How long? They're not doing it right. <laughs> right. Maybe that's it. How long have you been renting to college students? Uh, let's see. We are on year six. Okay. So presumably years one and two were not quite as uh, eviction free, vacancy free. Uh, everything's perfect. No, they. It, it's always been really good, but I've okay. always ran it with a system. And so the key for me has been, I always put parents on the lease. And so okay. I'm getting paid whether the kid stays there or not, because the parents don't want their credit ruined. That's great. And, and so do you actually run the parents' credit when they apply? I do not. Um, I get a credit application and I have that on file if I ever were to need it. But I've actually never ran one background check on um, a student housing property. Even on the students, you don't run the credit? Nope. Wow, interesting. <laughs> yeah, because in like normal, uh, you know, what we do is uh, we, ma we manage a bunch of properties and uh, not running credit would be uh, terrifying in a right. situation. Um, right. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Uh, can you talk us through, I know when I met you, you told me of a, a few different kind of tricks that you have found help make uh, the kind of college housing experience better. Um, I even call them like hacks along the way. Uh, I think our listeners would find that to be really interesting. Some of the things you've found that, uh, you know, just make it easier to rent to college students. So um, one of my favorite things is, you know, it's, it's it's move-in time for college. Like everyone's starting school in mid to late August. And so we only do three move-ins a year. I never have to move anybody in or out during the winter. Um, so I only do move-in, move-outs on June 1st, July 1st, and August 1st. And uh, that streamlines the process for me, my staff. Um, it makes our job a little bit more enjoyable. And um, in order to do that, we start pre-leasing in October for like the following year to the year after that. So I'm always leased 18 months in advance. My staff never shows property at night or on the weekends. And we set one appointment per property. And we, everybody that calls in, we let them know this is the only appointment that's available. And we schedule everybody at the same time. And usually after we show one house one time, it is rented, and then it may even rent a couple more of our properties because we do the same thing in every single house. Wow. Uh, that is interesting. So one appointment, and it's almost yeah. like in high demand then, like a competition. Correct. Who's going to get it? Absolutely. That's interesting. I know when I was in college, I had a sim. I remember our landlord made us go through what he called an interview process. I remember thinking that was pretty crazy, but it, it's interesting. <laughs> and I'm sure you think the same way. It was like psychology. It actually made you want the property more. Uh, Absolutely. I don't know if you find that similar. 
Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. It's just creating competition and demand. And it's like, I, I, I teach and coach people on student housing now. And so um, one of my students basically took this same idea and said, oh, I'll just have an open house instead. And so, um, but it's actually the very opposite of an open house because an open house means just come as you want, eat a cookie. You don't have to buy, you don't have to rent. You just get to look. And when you set up five or six groups of tenants to look at the same property on the same day at the same time, their phones are going to almost catch fire to get you a security deposit fastest so they don't lose out on the house. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, uh, I remember you, uh, you told a story about how you use, uh, you, each student gets one shelf in the pantry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you tell us that? Because uh, it's interesting. I, we don't, you know, I say 98% of what we do is not college students. And um, right. I don't usually tell human beings where they need to put their food. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> it sounds like you found some value in that. Yeah. So um, whenever, if I, I usually put a fridge in every house. Uh, we don't make them bring their own fridge, but we don't furnish anything else. So my theory on the refrigerator is if you have a four bedroom house, make sure you buy the fridge that has four shelves. And although I'm not their mother during the renting process, I really am their landlord. What we tell them from the beginning is, hey, we even got you a fridge that has a shelf for each of you. So you don't have to fight over your food or decide whose is what. And uh, the pantry we put in here, if it's a pantry closet or just a cabinet pantry, we put four shelves in there for you too. So you guys don't have to fight over that food because what we, er what we learned early on was they would, they fight over food. And so um, we just try to eliminate any excuse they might have before they move in to fight with their friends. And then it makes their experience better. And then we never hear from them, which makes it wonderful for us. That's interesting how uh, it sounds like what you're saying is that the it, part of what your job is, is making them like live comfortably with each other. Because if, if they don't, uh, maybe rent's not your problem, but I guess maybe if they, ha if they break up as roommates, it creates an issue <laughs> for you. Yeah, so if they break up as roommates, we even tell them that from the beginning, which I think, you know, after talking a little bit, what you'll realize with the way our business model is set up is everything we do, we are setting expectations up front and we are trying to set them up for success before they even move into our house. So we like to tell them when your roommate drops out of college or when your roommate decides to go home for the summer and not stay here, just let us know who you found to replace that person and we will sublease the other, the, you know, the bad friend's position to the other person. And then that way you guys don't have to make up his rent for him because if he leaves, you still owe me all the rent regardless right. of what happened with your friend. So what we'll let you do from the get go, we're going to let you know, we'll let you swap people out if you need to. And we tell them that before they even move in so that they know from the get go, there's flexibility in, uh, being able to replace people and making sure we get paid no matter what. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, talk me through, I, I would imagine technology plays a role in, in leasing to college students. 
we're a big believer in, in tech everywhere in kind of the landlording space. Um, uh-huh. Is there anything that you found that maybe college kids prefer on the tech front that maybe your average tenant doesn't utilize? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I don't manage regular rentals. I either do rent to owns or I do student housing. Okay. So, um, you know, we use Appfolio right now, which is an amazing database right. for landlords that have several properties. And I, I would say the best communication that we have with our tenants is texting. And uh, we do that even to set their appointments and remind them of their showings before there are tenants. They get a text from us that says, you know, you have an appointment today at 3 p.m. Text back to confirm your appointment or we won't show up. Yep. And so that communication has been handy through text messages. I'm sure it is for all tenants, but um, yeah, they, do, do you they find, never let text go unread. <laughs> it's interesting. Do, do, you, do they ever want to talk on the phone or do you find that like 98% of your communication is through texting with them? Uh, let me see if I can put a number on that. I would say probably 75% is text messages. Yeah. And then there's still a small percentage that likes to call in on the phone and they want to know that we're real. We're not, um, fly by nighters and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, Especially parents. Parents like to talk to us on the phone. Right. Right. I mean, that's kind of a different, uh, almost a different generation. So that that makes sense. You almost have two sets of tenants, right? You almost have your, your students and your parents, I guess. Yeah. You're trying to Yeah, so that. what we tell and what's interesting is when we do the check-in, we we if the parents are there with their child, you know, moving them in, we let them know like, "Hey, we're going to give them a check-in speech, but we're going to talk directly to them. And if you have questions afterwards, feel free to ask, but we're going to talk directly to them because that's who we expect to talk to." And the parents are actually really happy that we're almost training their child <laughs> to be responsible right. and um, they love it. So we call that our mom speech and we give it to them at check-in and we leave the mom speech on the refrigerator for them. And it's just kind of a, you know, these are the things that you should do while you live here type of thing. And the parents love it and the kids seem to um, be more successful than your normal tenants in, in our opinion um, this summer we had like 23 houses move out on the last day of July. And on the 1st of August, we moved all of those units back in with new groups. And, and you don't do that if they leave your properties trashed. I don't know any landlord that flips that many houses in one day. Yeah. Well, I mean, not just, not just flips, but flips it with what sounds like a zero day lag like out right. at five and in the next day at 8 a.m. That's like right. unheard of. Uh, right. So like everyone was clean? Like that's... Yeah, so everything's clean. Um, I always have a cleaning crew on call uh, per se and carpet cleaners on call. But um, most of the time, uh, again, it starts before we even move them in. We let them know that we actually don't want to keep their security deposit. And we want to give them back every single dollar. And so what happens is their parents end up coming down and cleaning the unit the week they move out because mom and dad want all the money back. Can you talk me a little through on the advertising front? I can imagine digital advertising is definitely your friend here. Uh, You know, where where do you go about finding uh, these tenants? 
Yeah, so um, I, I, I get this question a lot, and I like it because even though we have this term student housing that we're, that we're throwing around, um, it's really single family houses, that's it. And uh, we market just like everybody else does. So um, if, if other people are doing Craigslist, we're doing Craigslist. Zillow, we do Zillow. Um, the, honestly, though, what rents our houses faster than any other source is putting our pre-leasing signs in the front yards of the houses. Um, mostly because what are college kids doing a lot of? Like socializing and partying and they walk to school. And so if our sign is in the yard, that's what they're going to see first, especially when they're visiting these properties a lot. So that's our number one method. Um, I think our number two is that we do utilize Atfolio. Mm -hmm. And uh, what it will do is basically just send out our, our marketing to every online source you can think of to rent a property. Yeah. And it makes it very, very user-friendly and not very labor-intensive for our staff. Yeah, we're definitely the same uh, with yeah. that portfolio. It's interesting that you, you, it's almost counterintuitive that the actual sign in the yard would, would work, but it yeah. does make sense in that, that kind of like college partying, socializing atmosphere. They're hanging out in the house. They see the sign. They're like, oh, I, I wouldn't mind living here. <laughs> you know? Right. Yes. Um, has anything been kind of surprising through the like the last you know four or five years as you've kind of ramped up your college housing uh, rentals? Um, I would say I think the most surprising for myself and even for other people just really has been how little damage we actually have to properties. So I just had um, a rent-to-own property move out, and I'm telling you, I don't know how many holes we patched from speaker wires they pulled and pictures they hung and just I and bottles of milk spilt and just terrible condition the house was in. And I'm like, it took us a month to put that thing back together, and we turned these over to our college kids in one day. To me, that is incredible, and that it just keeps proving every year, even though we get more properties, that the system stays as efficient, or actually this year was more efficient than last year. And um, I think that's just been really shocking. There's just not the damage that people think it is, and I think it's because we do set it up so good from the forefront. Yeah. Um, and the parents, the parents being involved is just such a key factor, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting. Uh, I think the average landlord, when they hear college housing, they think destruction, uh, frat house, right? Beer, holes in walls. Uh, 100%. It definitely, it's, it's shocking. To, to it is, but the, the cool thing is, is like a single family residential house here, you know, a four bedroom would probably be a thousand, maybe $1,200 a month is what you would get as a single family rental. And we're getting anywhere from $2,100 to $2,400 for that same house by renting it to college kids. And so our net cash flow per house is three or four times what regular landlords are getting in their rentals, in their single family rentals. That's awesome. Would you only rent to college kids? I mean, I guess you're renting by room. So maybe there just isn't the demand for non-college housing like that. So when we market, we market by the room rate, but then we say you have to fill the whole unit. So even though they're shopping for what their budget allows, um, we make them rent the entire house. 
And then what basically happens is you don't have to prove to me you're a college kid. The way they're priced kind of eliminates single family rental applications because they don't want to pay $2,400 for the same house they can get down the road for $850 from some other landlord. Right. So I don't make them prove that they're a student. So technically, I rent to anybody and everybody who wants to pay the rate that we've marketed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Do you do you focus on one university? I imagine. I do because, um, and this is a huge thing. If someone out there listening is thinking about student housing, um, our campus, um, Missouri State University, has about twenty four thousand kids enrolled. And they can only house 4,000 of them on campus. So every year we have 20,000 kids looking for a place to live. Yeah, that's awesome. I haven't really needed to go anywhere else yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Uh, yes. I, know, I know one thing we had, we were uh, doing some, we were managing a, a fairly decent sized apartment complex in central Pennsylvania with those for college students. And the, um, the university actually built a large amount of, a, of um, student housing. Uh, which which caused some problems because there was a kind of a supply and demand imbalance there where all of a sudden you had mm-hmm. a higher supply. Is that something that you kind of keep your kind of ear to the ground on? Like, is the school going to build anything more for student housing? You know, I don't know if they're going to. I can tell you that their pattern so far has been anytime um, a building has like gotten too old or needed rehab that was a dorm facility. Uh, what they have began to do is they are getting money from the state or federal grants to turn those into more educational buildings versus living quarters. Oh, wow. Um, because then they can expand their campus and offer more programs and increase enrollment. And that's kind of trending um, around the country a little bit to offer more programs out there. So we do have, I mean, in our area, we do have a lot of I call it my deep pocket investors that are putting up big apartment buildings. Um, but like the largest one that just hit can house 795 students. Again, we have 20,000 kids looking for a place to live. So that doesn't concern me too much. If someone had, you know, only like a 5,000 deficit, I would be worried about that. <laughs> right. Right. Also, I, I presume, you know, I mean, I remember living back in college. I lived in both an apartment and a house, and the house experience was way more desirable than an apartment. Yes, and that's exactly what happens. Um, they go from the dorms to the apartments to, the holy crap, I don't want to do that anymore. Let's live in a house. <laughs> yeah. So I really am getting what I call the most qualified tenants because I'm getting the juniors, the seniors, the master right. students. I'm not getting the freshmen that are there to party. It's awesome. Uh, this is great. Uh, Dixie is so insightful. Uh, you know, I think student housing is a topic that most people want to avoid. And frankly, <laughs> I think sometimes people may even own things that could work for students. That right. They usually turn down students. Um, you've kind of gone the opposite approach, which I just yeah, love. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of flying in the face of conventional wisdom. Um, there's a question we ask everyone on here, which is, if you were to kind of look forward the next, you know, three to five years from a like tech innovation perspective, is there anything that you're kind of thinking about that could impact student housing in the future? Oh my goodness. Um, it's, a good it's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess I would go two ways with that. Um, 
one thing I would say, you know, if we're being super transparent, the only thing I think that will affect student housing is if the campus you choose has some sort of fallout, like just major catastrophe. Um, it happened a few years ago at MU where there was this big racist thing and enrollment dropped and their sports team went down and um, they've recovered from that, but their enrollment took a dip for a couple of years. So that's something, you know, that could impact, um, yeah. you know, and if enrollments impact, you're impacted. Right. Um, but on the flip side of that, I believe when this next correction occurs or quote recession happens, um, a lot of people go back to college and most parents really encourage their kids to go to college because now there's this recession and you better get this good job and all of this stuff. And so, for me, student housing is one of the best methods that's going to survive the next correction. Yeah, that's uh, super, uh, to totally makes sense. Um, do you think from like a, and, and there, I think it makes a, lot, a ton of sense that I think we saw the opposite, which was as the economy took off, we saw a lot of enrollment actually go down across the yeah. country. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I guess just a follow-up to that is, do you think, kind of like the apartment and house will get uh, kind of like smarter where like college students will just have a demand for more tech in the actual house. Like, do you have any requests for that kind of stuff right now? I don't. Sometimes they'll ask for like a security system or if they can install one. Um, as long as they have Wi-Fi and it's a good speed Wi-Fi, they take care of everything else themselves because they really want control over their technology. Super interesting. Uh, I, I intuitively, I kind of would have thought the opposite. I would have thought that they'd be like pushing you to add in various tech, um, but but maybe that's not actually the, the case. That more they they actually want to have their own tech. They want yeah, to and when they want. ask us, any of them that do ask, like, hey, when you give us Wi-Fi and that kind of thing, we basically tell them here, and this is really the truth of the matter. We tell them, here's the deal. If you want us to do that, we're open to it. But if you have a problem with your internet after 5 p.m. and on the weekends, you are screwed. Like, we can't help you. We're going to be off work. And if you're in the middle of a final at midnight and it crashes, you have no one to call. So if you want these super techie things that we old people don't know anything about, we suggest you set it up yourselves because then you can control it. And when we kind of backwards sell them, they're like, oh yeah, we don't want you guys to have to do that. <laughs> you know, because yeah. we, we play that part that like, we don't know anything about it. So if you have us doing it, you're failed from the beginning. And awesome. so they, they understand it. that very well. I love it. So then as the tech innovation keeps going, you basically say, look, I don't, I'm going to take a step away and just let my tenants innovate basically yeah. on the house and uh, yeah that's great well look dixie i thanks so much for joining us i know you're super busy um how can folks get in touch with you if they have more questions about student uh housing if you have motivated someone to want to do it themselves yeah so um i've got you know go on social media facebook instagram youtube um you can put in dixie decker queen of student housing and you'll find tons of free videos and content to check out and see if it's something that, that you really want to get into. And um, if so, you can go to DixieDecker.com 
And there's also a free training there as well as um, an offer to attend our live event we teach here in Springfield. And we only do that twice a year. And then um, along with that, they get like an at-home study program that gives them all the procedures and manuals and scripts and all the goodies that go with it so they can do this on their own. So um, that's a couple ways to get in touch with us. And that's awesome. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been to Springfield, and let me tell you, if you're going, <laughs> it's a great place, totally reasonably priced. Uh, getting there is a little tricky, so plan your flights in advance. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was a good time. So Yes. It's, it's kind of like that small town feel, but um, it's really a really beautiful place to visit. And if they have extra time, um, you know, we're close to Branson, Missouri, and, and there's lots of uh, fun, family-friendly things to do there, too. And if you're from the East Coast, people are way nicer in Missouri, <laughs> let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Dixie. Thanks so much for joining us on the Real Estate Hackers podcast. Super cool stuff here going through tech, going through student housing, definitely making me a believer that there's an opportunity here if you kind of go about it the right way and, and put systems in place. So thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.